I'm ready. All right. What's up, everyone, and welcome back to episode 11 of the Promptly Written Podcast. The concept here is pretty simple. Every month we pick a writing prompt, we both write stories, and then we talk about them. My name is Matt Chigarek, and with me as always, Ian Lewis. What's up, Ian? Hey, dude. Hey. So, I got to tell you, like, July was a pretty busy month of writing, for me at least. So, I thought we could just kind of dive right into stuff, and I'd give, like, a wrap-up of what I was working on, and we could just kind of generate discussion from that. How's that sound? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So, before we get into the the crate, well, I guess it was part of the month. It wasn't writing, it was reading, but a little bit of follow-up. I came through on my promise, and three months later, I read Ian Lewis's From Legend. So I could nice. insert a little, I could insert a little applause right here or something. But I read it, and I liked it. And what what I think I'm more excited about is what is coming next. And we got like a little to be continued and a cliffhanger at the end, and I'm excited about it. So oh yeah, five book series. Oh, we're doing five books. Yeah. Wow. Okay. It, it, just just out of curiosity, because you, you said that now, are you already working on those or are you working on something else before you dive into those? I'm working on the next driver story because um, I wanted to take a break. Sure. But then I'll go, I'll, I did start to plot out the second Reeve book. And so once I do the driver story, which the goal is to have that ready for next year. Okay. Then I'll go, I'll go back and start working on the Reeve again. All right. Sweet. So. I don't want to dive too much into it now because I have a whole lot to say, and I want to make sure that everybody, all of our good listeners here, have a chance to read it and don't get any spoilers. So I think what we're going to do is next month, in honor of our 12th episode, like one full year of doing Promptly Written, we're going to do like a, a special bonus episode that will deep dive into Ian Lewis's From Legend. We could talk about where the idea came from and and why he chose to do a five book series instead of one epic book or or whatever we're gonna get down to all of it then how does that sound yeah that sounds fantastic yeah i'm excited about it so i think what we're gonna do is next month we're gonna record an extra little bonus episode and you'll get you're gonna get us twice in september right that's september yes uh yeah I think yeah so. so you're gonna get us twice in september well leading would up it be september i think it would because the next episode oh no maybe october I think it'll be October. It's going to be twice in October. This this always messes me up when we're trying to figure yeah, out like I can't keep track. what month things are coming out in. So you're going to get us twice in October leading up to the, you know, our, it's going to be our first full year as a podcast, which I'm real excited about. So um, that's from Legend. So great job, Ian. We're going to dive more into that later. Um, and everybody else, like you have, you're now forewarned. You have like four to six weeks to make sure you have this book read. So you can listen to us deep dive into it later. Uh, another little bit of follow-up. Like, as we're recording right now, there is one day left of Camp NaNoWriMo. And I don't know how many people of you out there do this. I know Ian doesn't do it. But I set a a goal of 620 minutes of writing last month, which I think it equates to, like, 20 minutes a day or something like that. And I blew it out of the water. I wrote 960 minutes. I averaged 32 minutes a day. And I still got a day left. So that might, like, I'm going to try to hit 1,000 minutes. We'll see what happens. Um, but, yeah. And so I was working on a bunch of stuff while I was doing that. I had the story I'm about to read to you guys in a little bit here, which I, I can't figure out why I procrastinate so much on these podcast stories. But I do. Like, I think I finished the podcast story like four days ago. 
Oh, man, I I've had I feel like mine's been written forever. Like I like as soon as we're done recording, I'm like, okay, I got to knock out the story so I know that's done, and then then it can breathe easy. Well, it's like when I I had the idea relatively early, and I wrote like the first let's say quarter of it, and then I knew what it had to come next, and we'll get into reasons why later, but some I, I finally like. Got, made it click and then as soon as i made as soon as i figured out what i needed to do to make it click uh i just i just wrote it all out and it worked out great but um i was working on that and then i was in a a screenwriting workshop for the for the mfa program the past couple of months and i had the first act due this month so like it was due yesterday i think or two days ago so uh, pretty much all of my time went to that as well too so like between that and the podcast story and developing the novel that I'm going to be using for my thesis, which I've still been working on. It's been absolutely crazy. Um, what have you been working on? You said you've been working on the driver thing? Yeah, the next driver story. Um, I, I, I have a really good story um, you know, that is plotted out, it's outlined, mm-hmm. and I'm really excited about it as an idea, but... The Driver series is is my experimental fiction series, and so I've always wanted each book to be a little different from the other ones. Okay. And, you know, with regard to, like, format or point of view or, or whatever, um, but at the same time, I don't want to force it and make it, like, a gimmick. Mm-hmm. And so I've been playing around with a couple different ideas with regard to format and trying to see what sticks, and um, I, I sort of did some backpedaling this month. Okay. And kind of re- rewrote some things and rearranged things, and I'm still trying to... I think I'm closer than not, but I, I'm still not 100% with regard to how it's going to be. Gotcha. Um, I, so I want still... it to be very... I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, you're still planning then. Uh, no, I'm writing. I'm in like okay. 14 chapters in. Oh, okay, okay. But um, I'm like, I'm at the point where I, I have a goal with regard to I want it to be very atmospheric and moody. Um, and some of that plays into like, well, I wanted to be third, some third person in there because you can explain and describe things um, objectively and kind sure. of get that detail that you wouldn't necessarily get from a first person narration. But the flip side is there's there's a lot of material that I'm kind of lifting from old stories that I wrote that never saw the light of day okay. that are, I think, going to be better handled from a first person narration. So I'm I'm kind of weighing them back and forth and seeing how they all fit. So are you jumping back and forth from 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 like your perspective? Like are you jumping back from first and third throughout the book? The original plan was just to do third. Um and then and then what I had the idea for which I think I'm going to abandon was sort of have like a almost like um what I was going to call like a responsive or live living narrative where you sort of have third person for the most part but then you have the character in first person responding and interacting with the third person narrative almost like breaking the fourth wall a little bit kind of a concept yeah, yeah i like that it's a, i like the idea but <clears throat> i was struggling with being able to implement it in a way that wasn't going to be, become obnoxious for the reader i thought okay so i, I, can I don't see know that. that i'm gonna i don't know that i'm gonna do it that way it's it's i so. think that's always a risk because you somebody's gonna read it and not like it well and i already expect that with this series because it's 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 experimental by design and so not everyone likes it for mm-hmm. that reason, but I also, I want, I have to like it, right? So if okay, I don't well, I like mean, what yeah, I'm putting absolutely. together, then it's definitely not going to fly. So 
Gotcha. I've, I've done some backpedaling, I guess, this month. So, so you said you're 14 chapters in. Like, how how many chapters do you anticipate the book being? Right, right now, it's outlined for about 30 some. Okay, so you're but reaching halfway point. It it could grow a little because sometimes once you get going, you're like, oh, all this content that I thought would fit into one scene is really two scenes. Um, so you have to split it up and you make two chapters out of it, sure. that kind of thing. Sure. So, all right. We'll, well yeah. All right, so you're looking at, you said next year, the release yeah, for this one? Yeah, the plan would be for next year sometime. So, so let me ask you this while we're talking about it. Like, when you finish your first draft and, like, you have all those pages done, like, do you, um, how long do you wait before you go start going back through and editing? Do you go right back into it, or do you, like, sit on it for a while and try to do something else and then come back, or? It's been different for every book, but because I've gotten to the point where I have this self-imposed, like, desire to uh not desire but sort of pressure to be prolific and keep keep things coming mm-hmm. um i don't sit on it for too long i usually take at least a couple of weeks if not a month away from it once i once i get it where i'm like okay the story's done it just needs to be fine-tuned and edited mm-hmm. i usually set it aside for a couple of weeks to a month so enough time to kind of just Separate your brain from it so you can try to get back to it with like fresh right, eyes. Right, but I right, but I don't do like some people live with a book for ten years before they feel like they're good with it. I I would lose interest. Um, I I couldn't do that. Like I I need to get it done and be done with it. And, and it's it's could it be better? Maybe if you put it through some rigorous, you know, process. But like I I would I get bored of it. Like I I need to call it done and be like this is as good as it's gonna get kind of a thing. Yeah, it actually that's actually kind of a decent segue into our little next topic here because I actually I went to a um a writing conference this month as well. It was called the Cleveland Writing Workshops, and it was um it was mostly focused on publishing, like how to get published, how to do that. There were like literary agents there where you could pitch your ideas, but. You know, most of the time they want full manuscripts. So I stayed away from that from now. I'm planning on doing that next year, uh, going and trying to pitch the agents or whatever. But they were actually talking in one of the sessions about how sometimes, like, you just, like, you need, you need to decide that something is done because nothing is ever going to be as perfect as you want it to be. Right. So it's just, like, you got to get it to the point where you're happy with it and then just put it out in the world and start working on something else. Otherwise, you're going to drive yourself nuts. Because then, I mean, if you were waiting for something to be perfect, like, we would never release anything. Right. Right. So, um, but yeah, so this writing workshop, I know I, f- I felt bad because I like told you about it like last minute. It t- totally, uh, one of my, um, one of my friends was going to it and he told me about it months ago and I was like, ah, $200. Like I, I don't have $200 to spend on a, on a one day writing conference. And then it, it started getting closer and I started looking at the, like the topics of the, of the presentations and everything. And I was like, you know, this might be, this might be good. Plus I was kind of hoping that, you know, I could go meet writers in the area and I could talk to writers and meet other people that write and pimp the podcast out a little bit, you know? (laughs) So I was like, you know what? $200, like I'll do it. I'm going to go do it. And then it was crazy because like we're sitting down in the first session. Uh, There's a guy named Brian Clems given the, the, the presentation. He's a former editor from writer's digest and he's he's talking and he's like, listen, everybody, he was like, I understand I'm in a room full of introverts. And he was like, if you want today to be successful, you need to check your introvert at the door and be awkward and go talk to people because like you're finally amongst like your people, like go meet each other, like talk. And everybody just kind of stared at him like drooling a little bit. 
like mouth open, like, what do you mean we have to talk to people? And I'm sitting there and I'm like, you know what, fuck this. Like I can talk to people. And then like, so I'm sitting there and then like that, that session ends and everybody just kind of gets up and silently walks out of the room and you're like, okay, well, I guess, I guess I'll go out into the, the space and talk to him out there. And then like, I go out there and like, I see my buddy and I <laughs> spend all my time talking to my buddy and not meeting anybody new. <laughs> and then like the next session's about to start and I go sit down and like, I'm like, okay, I'm going to force myself to sit in like, not like next to somebody because like when there's wide open chairs, like if you're just like, if you were sitting there and there was like a whole row of chairs and I came and sat right next to you, you'd be like, what the fuck is this creeper doing? But I was like, I'll go sit some near somebody and I could like talk to him. And then I sat there and I was like, man, it's scary talking to people. So then I was like, you know what? I'm going to break the ice. I'm just going to go on Twitter and I'm going to use their hashtag and I'm going to see if anybody responds to my hashtag. And then the people that respond, I'll see their picture and then I'll go talk to them because we already met on Twitter. So I started doing that and then people respond. I didn't talk to anybody. Like I failed, like utter <laughs> failure. Like I'm like the world's worst introvert. Like I couldn't talk to anybody. That's so weird because you don't strike me as overly introverted. Well, it's, it's when I'm around people I know, I couldn't be like less introverted, but as soon as you put me in a room full of strangers, like I completely shut down. It was so weird. So I sat there the whole time and I was like, I just need to talk to people. I just need to talk to people. Just go talk to people. I talked to no one. I had to do business cards made so that I could hand them to people, send them to the website, do all this, sh nothing. Like I did hmm. nothing. It was, it was, I'm, I'm really, I'm still disappointed in myself. So I tweeted that I was disappointed in myself and I had some other people respond that they were also disappointed in themselves and we like met on Twitter or whatever. So if any of you uh, out there who are at the Cleveland writing workshop, uh, hi, like that was me. Um, next year we'll go and we'll talk to each other. So there we go. So um, I think it was good. I got a lot of information. Some of it, um, what I found was there was quite a lot of people there who um, don't have any formal education, like in regards to writing. So like, and I was definitely like the one woman was just like, who here is gone through or is going through like a writing program. And like me and one other person raised our hand all day. So like there was one where I just sat there and it was like a whole thing that was basically dedicated to basic story structure. And so it was kind of boring. But, you know, yeah, I can imagine. But what they did do, and let me tell you about this because this was crazy. They had this uh, thing called, um, the fuck was it called? It was called um, Writers Got Talent. So it was kind of like the America's Got Talent kind of thing. So everybody submitted, you had, well, you had the option to submit one page from your manuscript, like with no identifying information or whatever. And they had, like, I think there was four literary agents that sat up front, and they had a volunteer reading your page out loud. And as they were reading, if the literary agent put their hand up in the air, that was kind of like the X. And as soon as three out of the four had their hand in the air, you stopped reading, and then they just, like, tore tore into it. Huh. So it was, like... It's interesting. Oh, oh, dude, it was intense, because, like, I didn't submit anything, because I was scared. <laughs> I would have liked to have done it just to see what, what would happen. Well, it seems like this is a, a pretty regular thing that they do at these writing conferences. So you'll have to go next year. I think uh, I think it was worth the money. But, like, it was crazy because, like, like, there were some people where, like, I mean, a paragraph in, three hands were up in the air. And then, like, the literary agents would be like, this is why I stopped reading. And they would just go through it. And I think out of the maybe 20 ish that they read in like that hour and a half 
maybe they got through three entire pages. Hmm. And what what I really got out of that, it was it was it was just kind of a wake up call. It was like if you're going to send your stuff out to out to like an agent or something and try to get something traditionally published, like you have to knock it out of the park like from the get go because you like yeah. they might they might toss your your shit aside before you're even done with the first page. Yeah, no, that that's exactly that's exactly correct. So it, I mean, it was just it was crazy to see it live, and like there were some people where they were just talking, and I felt like, I mean, it was scary. Like I wish I would have done it because I think that's it's probably like if they would have stopped it, it's it's all shit you need to hear. You know what I mean? Um, so next year we might do that too. I don't know, but yeah, it was interesting. Uh, I recommend anybody out there if you're a writer and there is um, a writing workshop like this. This one was run by uh, I don't remember the name of the parent company, but they run them all over the place. I'll put the link in the show notes. I have the link to the Cleveland one in the show notes, but I'll I'll link to the other um, the overarching thing too. So if you have one near you, I think it's worth it if if you can if you can afford it and you're interested, you should go. Um. That's all I got on that. So I thought that real quick, just because we've never really talked about this before, I was kind of wondering, like, where do you write? Like, do you like tell me, like, when you sit down to write what you see in front of you, like, like desk, like whatever, <laughs> like what what, what uh, goes on? I mean, in a sense, I, I, I am able to write anywhere in the sense that I can do it with distraction around me um where you know in in any location really because uh, i'm usually using my chromebook um but I, I write i try to write every day at work at lunch so i i kind of leave my desk and go to sort of a quasi common area that is as quiet as it's going to get um and, and try to put in some time there and then usually at in the evening once everybody's in bed um you know, at least during the, the weeknights, I try to I try to write. And so, again, I'm on my Chromebook, probably sitting in my chair in the living room. Um, so it literally week- is anywhere. It is anywhere. And then on the weekend, if, if it's like in the afternoon, if I get some time like on a Sunday afternoon or something, um, you know, the kids might be in the room, TV's on, all kinds of nonsense, toys everywhere. And I, I, I can write, you know what I mean? It's I can I can block it out. Wow. So like, I'm going to tell you right now, we like, if if it hasn't been like obvious, right, like already, just like based on the stories and everything that we are polar opposites, like, like we are polar oh, yeah. opposites, like I need silence. Like, like I need absolute silence. Like I can like if there's a TV on, like I was I was sitting there, like part of the reason that I, I take so long to write these stories every month is because every night Friends is on my television. And even though I've seen every single episode of Friends like seven yeah, times, still watch. like I'll be sitting there and I'll turn it way down just so like there's like a little bit of background noise. And I actually, I have a little desk, like a little like writing desk that I got at Target that is in the back of my living room that's separate from my other office because like in my other office, like I have all my guitars in there and a keyboard in there and my PlayStation's in there and there's all this shit that distracts me. So I need to get away from that and I have this little desk that faces away from the TV at a wall, right? And like I'll sit there and I'll be listening and it'll be like the freaking episode of Friends where Ross goes to get tanned and like... Oh, I saw that one the other day. <laughs> it's the best. It's one of it my favorites. It was really funny. 
And I'll be sitting there and like, I know, like, and then like all it takes is for him to say one Mississippi once and I'm turning around and I'm watching that show and I never get anything done. So, so I have to be silent. So what I did was I got, I got this great pair of headphones. They're Sony noise canceling headphones. They cost way too much money, but they're, they're like magic. Like you put them on and you turn on the noise canceling and it literally erases everything around you. And then I used this this app called Brain FM. So I, I was having a hard time figure, trying to figure out how to explain this. So it's it's just like it's like mood music almost. Like like a like if I'm not listening Ambi- to Brain FM kind of stuff. Yeah, if I'm not listening to Brain FM, it's usually like a soundtrack to a movie or a video game or something. But this one is actually like science based. Like I think they use AI to create the music. And so I pulled this quote right from the website because I don't think I could say it any better than this. But they use a proprietary system to reduce salience, allowing the music to sit comfortably in the background. So the approach is drastically different from most music in the world, which is designed to grab your attention. And instead, their process ensures that attention-grabbing elements are subdued or removed. So it's literally, it's what's crazy about it is like when you first turn it on, you're very aware that it's there. And then if you just start working, like it just kind of like blends in and it just like I don't know it's it's crazy like sounds interesting yeah you should try it it's like I think you have to it's a paid app there's like a free trial I think I pay something like 11.99 a quarter or something but literally it's like the best thing ever I use the focus uh one because they they have three different elements it's like focus relax and sleep I think and they're all like generated in different ways to like trigger brain stuff. It's it's mm-hmm. real sciencey. They have like a grant right. from like the National Science something. Like it's mm-hmm. super like legit. But um, I use Focus Cinematic. It's brilliant. I love it. Um, <laughs> but so if I'm writing at home, that's usually where I'm at. Sometimes I can write at my office at work. Like I'll sit here after the end of the workday and I'll just like close the door to my office. And if something popped into my head, I can do that. I can't do like the coffee shop thing or anything like that. I've tried going to libraries, but you would not believe how loud libraries are now. Sure. You used to get yelled at for making noise in the library. They're loud as shit now. So like, yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. I'm, see, I, I feel like I'm always writing in my head anyway. So the ideas are always there. It's, I don't know. I don't I know. Do it. I think I must have some like crazy sort of like, ADD or something because like Maybe. I mean just like the the slightest little thing like if I just hear something out of the from the other side of the room I'm like what's that like and it just See, it pulls me out of everything what distracts me is is the desire to do more than one thing at the same time mm-hmm. in the sense that you know I I might I might want to write more than one thing at the same time or you know I I uh you know might have you know, some watch thing I'm researching or whatever, you know, like there, there's, <laughs> I get and it's that. all, it's all at my fingertips, right? And so it's like, oh, I can do like, and so then you're, you're not anywhere near as efficient, but generally yeah, I can just sit down and do it wherever. Speaking of watches, this is totally like off subject, but do, are you, do you, do you, um, do you like fossil watches at all? Or are those uh, like, so I have a, a, I wouldn't say a soft spot. I have, um, maybe fond memories of fossil watches because they had a couple like back in the day, you know, like high school or something. Sure. I had a couple of them and I, I remember liking them, but they're, 
they're um they're kind of looked they're kind of looked down upon by the watch community. I was going to say are they're poo-pooed, uh, aren't they? They're 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 considered <laughs> fashion watches. You know, they're not really uh, they don't have anything compelling about them other than they're just designed to look cool or whatever. Right. Well, I saw what the uh, like for for whatever reason I must have bought something from Fossil like a while ago, like a wallet or something. I think like most of my wallets are Fossil usually. Um, but I got an email from them and they. It was a watch that an intern designed, and I thought it was kind of rad. So uh, let me see if I can find it. I will say I've not looked at fossil watches since probably high school, so uh, I don't even know what they look like now. But I'll I'll find a link to to. Oh man, it's 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 not going to happen now. I'm going to have to go through my email and find it. But I'll put a link to it. I'll send you the link for sure. I want you to. I just want to see what you think because I was like, wow, like some intern at Fossil designed this, and I thought it kind of looked pretty badass, and it was like. That's like 150 bucks or something like that. And that's too much for me to swallow because I have my Apple Watch and every day that I don't wear my Apple Watch, I feel guilty. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Oh, it was expensive, man. Right. <laughs> like, no, I get it. Yeah. Like, but I guess like if I had a more expensive, maybe that's what I need to do. Maybe I need to buy a more <laughs> expensive mechanical watch. Oh, well, maybe. Like if I had a thousand dollar mechanical go down that, watch. Don't go down that rabbit hole, man. Trust me. <laughs> every time you get a watch, like, oh, that's, this is the last one. And then you're like, hmm, maybe I need one more. Uh, are are you um comfortable with uh putting like your your count like how how big is your watch collection? I I actually don't I don't have that many. I have well probably to the average person it sounds like too many, but I think I have like seven. Seven. But there's some watches. guys that have like fifty of them, and I just I can't see having fifty watches. It just seems extreme. I mean, I think if I were to count, like I still have mechanical watches. So I think, and what's crazy is I think. I think most of them are fossils, <laughs> so so I'd have to stay away from the watch community with my fossil collection. But I think I have like three fossils, and then I have like this really sweet Batman watch that I got at Target that I, that's fun. There you go. <laughs> and then I have an Adidas watch. So like none of my watches are good, but I do have a bunch of watches. But anyways, we're getting we're getting away from it. But yeah, I wanted I I, I meant to send that to you like outside the show, but since it popped into my head, I figured we talk about. It. Okay. So yeah, I I am cur- like, if I'm trying to write, I'm like on an endless search for silence, and I can't find it. Like I just can't find it anywhere. The world is not quiet enough for me. I I, I don't know. The thing is, is like once I once I actually start writing, it usually disappears. Like if I get into it, especially with the Brain FM, at Brain FM. If anybody wants to sponsor us, like just shoot me an email. <laughs> We're promptlywrittenpod at gmail dot com. But, um, yeah, I've been looking, trying to find, like, co-working spaces and stuff like that for people that just want to work in silence. And I just don't think it is. I think I just need, like, a one-room building in the middle of, like, a five-acre farm that I can just, like, yeah, drive out to. Yeah, I just need to. a cabin in the woods or something. I can go be a hermit or something, right? It's, it's, it's the dream, isn't it? Well, I can't say that's the dream. My <laughs> wife listens to this. I don't think she would agree that that's the dream. Well, I mean, you could go to the cabin in the woods to write during the day. It would be like a little retreat, right. And then come back to your wife and children at night. It would right. just be like you were going yeah. to work, except going to work, work would be a cabin in the woods. I'd totally be okay with that. See, that's the dream. All right. So um, that's interesting. I, it's, it's it's really interesting because just like I, I envy you for being able to just like – it's born of necessity, essentially. Uh, maybe I can get there one day. Maybe I just need to push through. Maybe it's maybe I just I don't know. Maybe it's just another excuse. 
it's a bigger conversation. I don't know. So before we get into the stories, you had a really good idea for a um, for a prompt. And instead of just like putting it out there right into the Facebook group or whatever, I thought we should talk about it real quick. So why don't you tell everybody what your idea was? Well, I, I always have um, music stands as an inspiration for a lot of what I write. And I always had the idea of like, oh, what if you just took an entire album and tried to turn it into a story, right? Um, you know, you just take the lyrics at, at whatever you think they mean kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. And so for some reason I had glycerine by Bush in my head. <laughs> and like Gavin Rosdale has some strange lyrics that don't always make sense, right? I, we'll say that. Listen. Uh, but I was like, what? Like if you listen to the lyrics of the song, you're like, what does this mean? It means nothing. I'm like, what if, we, <laughs> like, what if you tried to write a story based on these lyrics? What would the story be? I mean, and so then you kind of ran with it and had maybe a, a more workable idea that would probably be. Well, I'll be honest with you. The Gavin Rosdale thing scared the shit out of me because like. I, th- I because, think it'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> because like I'm sitting there and like you said, like, what does this mean? And it's like, to me, <laughs> it means nothing. Well, that, but that's that's the fun part. You could you could like analyze it or just run, just do something totally crazy with it. But I mean, like out of all of the heads that I don't want to deep dive into, like his scares me. I just think it was probably <laughs> lyrics written at the last minute in the studio before you know it it, it rhymed kind of a thing. Is what it feels like. Right. He's it, like, you know, I need a word. I like the song. I'm not knocking. It. I you know. No. But, look, there's songs like listen, Machine Head. Like whenever my oh, like, Machine Head's great. Dude, yeah. Like you listen to that song. It was like my wife played. Um, high school and college softball that was like their pump up song like they that's would, funny like they would fucking play machine head and shit like when they were going out on the field and everybody get all they should have been playing machine head machine head well i mean i i told her i thought i always thought that she should be playing slayer like i thought that war ensemble would be just a great okay we're gonna put a we're gonna put a link to war ensemble and we'll do a twitter poll we're totally off track here. Yeah, it's fine. We're gonna do it. We're gonna do a Twitter poll: War Ensemble versus Machine Head, which is the better pump-up song? And we're finally gonna settle this. Twitter will settle this. But um, so I thought it was a great idea, but honestly, like the the idea, I found the idea of like the whole song at once daunting. So for whatever reason, I was I was in my car the other day, and I had this hankering to listen to Michael Jackson's Thriller. And I don't want anybody to judge me right now. Like, Michael Jackson is the fucking best. Like, when it comes to pop music, like, period, Michael Jackson, the end, done. You can't argue with me. I'm sorry. You just can't. So we're, we're just going to put that aside because there is no argument. I wanted to listen to Michael Jackson. I put on Thriller. And, like, the first line of Thriller is, like, it's begging to be, like, a horror story. Like, it's, like, it's close to midnight and something evil's lurking in the dark. Right? Like, holy shit. It's totally you. Shit's about to get real, right? So I was like, well, what if we took the the song idea and then we just had to take the first line of the song and make it the first line of our story? Oh, it has to be the first line of the story? I just thought it had to be in the story. Well, I mean, it could be in the story, but I mean, it just I guess it just depends. So like the, the first line of the song, I just figured that that would prompt it. So I guess it would just depend on the song. Like if it was like, um, you know, fucking... I don't know, Gwen Stefani, because I don't know why we're going Gwen Stefani, probably just because Gavin Rousdale's in my head. But like, if she ain't no hollaback girl, like that could be in the middle of the story. (laughs) 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 But, but I don't know for like, if it was thriller, I, I 
to me, that sounds like the first line of a story. So I, I guess use our own discretion where the line comes in. But like, how about if we just have people submit their favorite line from a song and then that becomes a story. Somehow. It's got to be the opening line of the song, though. Okay, okay. The f- I think that should be the rule. Okay, so we're going to make the rules right now. It has to be the opening line of the song. We're going to start a Twitter, or we're going to start a Facebook uh, poll super early on this one so everybody can put their songs out there. It's a great time to go join the Facebook group. If you're not already there, facebook.com slash group slash pod. Go there. The first line of the song that you want us to, to use for our story and we are going to do that for our October episode, right? Yeah, and also this would be probably the month where uh, we will reserve the right uh, to have discretion on <laughs> on whatever you're voting on. So you, <laughs> I'm not so going like to write something like a based off of a cannibal lyric? corpse song, right? <laughs> not going to do it. Because... <laughs> So, okay, so everybody, let's just say that Evisceration Plague is off limits, okay? <laughs> like, no cannibal corpse. <laughs> Although, uh, I mean, Hammer Smash Face might be, might be, might be worth it to me. <laughs> figure it out. Oh, jeez. But yeah, so everybody put out there. I think I'm going to limit, I think, Ian, I think we should limit ourselves to one each. So that we, so that everybody else can uh, get theirs out there. Um, I think it's no, it's safe to say mine's going to be Thriller. You'll come up with yours, and then we'll get the poll started. Okay. Sound good? That works. All right. So I think that is our, um, our general discussion for this week. Um, I don't know. Why don't you kick us off with uh, this month's stories? All right. So this month, um, our prompt came from your friend at worldgonegeek.com, which Thanks, is Utah. a satire site. Yeah. So it's a satire site. So I decided that my story would be satire, or at least my best attempt at satire. I generally don't do humor. Um, so if you hate it, sorry. Um, but that being said, hopefully everyone can maintain their sense of humor. I'm ready. <laughs> with this. So my story is titled... The future. And here we go. In one of the billions of households across America, monitored by the Blett Media Network, a conversation unraveled around the dinner table. Jan Herbert, with perfectly pomped hair and makeup applied like she was a news anchor, looked at her son Robert with a critical eye. The itching. Why all the itching? Robert sat at the end of the dinner table, slouching in his chair picking at his food with a fork while scrolling through his blet social media feed on his phone. Every few seconds he would drop his fork and furiously scratch at his neck. No reason, he said. Is that a rash on you? Do you have hives? Jan leered across the table. She held her glare, allowed a brief glance at the blet camera in the corner of the room, and then affixed her eyes back on her layabout son. Robert shrugged without looking up. And what's this I hear about sniffles? There was a pregnant pause before Julie, the Herbert's daughter, spoke up. Sniffles is dead, Mom. Bill Herbert, the father, looked up from watching midget blooper videos on his tablet that sat front and center where his plate should have been. Sniffles is dead? So that's what's going on out there. Yes, Sniffles the Wonder Cat was dead. The internet sensation and star of thousands of online videos lay scattered with bits of fur across the street outside the Herbert's home. Police and bystanders surrounded the pitiful scene with well-wishers on the way to comfort the next-door neighbors who'd lost their furry little lucrative friend. 
Robert sneezed and scratched his neck again. Robert, do you have something to say? Huh? You're allergic to cats. Are you having a reaction? Do you have something to do with what's going on outside? Robbie did it, Julie said. Robert flung food at his sister. Shut up, twerp. Julie stuck out her tongue in response. Robert! Jan's voice was filled with shock and horror. How could you? Robert dropped his phone to the table and shrugged. We were trying to make a video of our own. We were going to upload it to our Blet TV channel. You and your friends? Robert shook his head. We were going to call it Rocket Cat. Bill had returned to his tablet and replied, half interested. Son, do you know what that will do to our social credit? Then he raised his voice to alert the Blet virtual assistant. Blita, delete the past ten minutes. Sorry, an artificial voice said. Your monthly delete quota has been met. Jan broke down, fretting about the inevitable downslide in their social standing and the downvotes that would follow on all their family's posts. She was particularly stressed about the fact that they no longer hold the position of the number two dinner feed in the county. There go our endorsements. As family relations continued to devolve around the table, the news traveled ten miles away to the city where Blett Media executive Jared Fillmore leaned against the edge of his desk in his spacious office. With a subordinate before him, he spoke casually but firmly about the employee's newfound promotion. You'll find that your new office comes equipped with your own personal restroom facilities. This isn't purely a perk, either. It's one of the ways in which you'll reinforce your position among your own direct reports. It's all right to mingle with a commoner, so to speak, and even strike up a conversation at a urinal. You do it all one-handed, of course, and you spray your stream as loudly as you can so they know what you've got swinging. You know, like a marking your territory kind of thing. But never, and I mean never, let your employees see you coming out of a stall. They can't see you stopping to defecate. It's a sign of weakness. It makes you more human to them, more vulnerable. And you don't want that blood in the water. Got it? All right, now get out of here. At that moment, Jared's mobile interface alerted him to a new call. Yes, he said, tapping the interface link embedded just beneath the skin of his neck. The voice of his assistant seared his eardrum. Sir, we have a situation. Sniffles the Wondercat is dead. The Sniffles the Wondercat? Dead? Yes, sir, dead. There's a public outcry. Very big. A sizable crowd has gathered around Sniffles' owner's house. You're going to need to weigh in on this one. I don't have time, damn it. But, sir, you're low on your public engagement quotas this week, and it never hurts the brand to engage with the pressing issues of the day. Jared sighed, not even wanting to think about the lost revenue stream that would result in Sniffles' absence. Very well, then. Send me the address. He made his way down the elevator to the parking garage where he hopped into his classic Lamborghini Aventador and roared away with all twelve cylinders screaming. Of course, traffic was moving at the usual predetermined pace, with the pod-like driverless cars moving along in concert like a string of pearls pulled down the road. Jared blasted past them, weaving in and out of the passing lane as he overtook each pocket of drab vehicles. He was almost at the edge of the choking confines of the city where the traffic had begun to thin when a man with a deformed leg attempted to cross the street. Jared slowed at first, watching the man hobble as quickly as he could, but then he gunned it. He simply didn't have time to accommodate those who didn't care enough about their own well-being to improve themselves, and so he ran the man down. Get augmented, he yelled out the window as the man rolled up and over the car. Then more calmly, he said to the module integrated into the dashboard, Blita, delete the last five minutes. Meanwhile, back at the Herbert household, crowd outside swelled with mourners. One of these people was Shell Simmons, a sickly-looking woman whose patchy scalp showed where clumps of hair had begun to fall out. 
At one time a vegan, she hadn't eaten anything in weeks except dirt after she learned that plants communicate with each other by releasing volatile organic compounds into the air, as well as through fungi in the soil. Plants are alive, she had exclaimed to everyone. They're sentient, don't you see? It's wrong to eat them. And so she had vowed to eat no living thing and subsist on dirt and water instead. She hadn't considered the microorganisms that thrived in the dirt, however, nor the parasitic nature of some of their variety. Now with violent stomach cramps, she cried over a piece of Sniffle's tail that lay near a sewer grate. What kind of monster would do this? This violates the Animal Citizenship Act. Some nearby just stared at her. Others nodded in solemn agreement. The two police officers on scene tried to maintain calm as a news drone hovered overhead. Jared's Lamborghini pulled up shortly thereafter, and the drone recognized the license plates. It hovered for a moment before performing a facial recognition match on Jared as he stepped from the car and then flew down to greet him. Good afternoon, Mr. Fillmore. Do you have a comment on the death of Sniffles the Wondercat? The news drone spoke in an assertive voice. Already mid-conversation with his assistant, Jared took the question in stride. Good afternoon. It's most distressing. Our condolences go out to Sniffles owners. We at Blet Media want to be able to capture the world in all its color, but when these... His assistant interrupted him in his ear. You can't say color, Jared, remember? What? He held up his hand to his ear. No color, colored, or derivation thereof. It's on the list. Uh, right. He turned back to the drone. As I was saying, when these incidents occur, it's hard to stomach since it hits so close to home. We're grateful you good folks at Channel 5 had partnered with us to get the shots from every angle, unbiased. Jared! His assistant's voice had risen an octave. You can't say shot, either, or shoot, shooting, or shooter. Didn't you read the list? We sent it out last week. Yes, well, uh... You, Shell yelled when she spied Jared. She marched up, holding her stomach as it cramped up again. You're Jared Fillmore, right? Taken aback by Shell's focused eyes, he stammered. Uh, yes, I am. She stopped four feet from him. Well, what are you going to do about this? There's a murderer on the loose. Jared waited for encouragement from his assistant, but it was for naught. You're on your own, his assistant said. Jared forced a pleasant smile. Listen, I'm just as upset as you, but I don't have the wherewithal to conduct an investigation. He turned at the police. But these fine officers will lead the charge on that front. Shell ranted and raved, stepping even closer. Blet Media has cameras everywhere. You mean to tell me you can't tell us who did this? I suppose we might be able to, he trailed off. I squinting at Shell. Shell had gone pale. She stumbled forward and reached out with one hand to steady herself on Jared's shoulder before vomiting all over him. The crowd erupted in tense gasps, and the news drone zoomed in for a closer shot. Jared's face rippled in disgust, and then he too vomited after seeing and smelling the noxious pile all over his shirt. Standing twenty feet away on the Herbert front porch, Robert captured the entire sequence of events on a live stream feed to Blut TV. Hey, Mom, he called over his shoulder. I don't think you need to worry about our ratings anymore. The end. <laughs> There's a lot of bodily fluids in this one, man. Uh, really? It well, I mean, the vomit, there was right? vomit. There, the, well, I mean, I guess there wasn't bodily fluid, but you talked about pee and poop, which I was pretty excited about. I did? Yeah. You remember he was at the urinal and then you can't defecate here? Oh, that's here. right. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Okay. I yeah. almost started laughing while... Kid... <laughs> I heard you. Did you? Yeah, like I'll cut it out, but well done in keeping that together. Because uh, there was some, there was a line there that almost made me snort again, and you yelled at me for snorting, because that's <laughs> it was 
it was to see what they were what what you're swinging or something like that. Yeah, it just made yeah. me, it just fucking made me laugh. That's funny. Um, I think what I enjoyed the most about this was the, the idea that they were so were they constantly streaming or were they choosing like because the the whole like delete the last ten minutes, delete the last five minutes was are, are they were the were these were they being constantly streamed or uh, like essentially yeah like basically your life is is one big social media facebook live stream kind of concept um reality tv and all that sort of morphed and blended into into, into one oh well, and and i think it was it was it was pretty interesting commentary right at, right off the beginning about how um uh, your your delete quota has been met so it's just like kind of like a little jab like yeah you can't you can't pull off any everything that you put out there i thought that was nice um does the did the wonder cat was like where did the where did this all come from like how did this come about i you know i don't know it was really um i i guess you know part part of it was just you know I, i i dipped my toe a bit more in social media a little bit for the for the book stuff like with reddit and whatnot i just i i really hate social media i just i don't care for it i see the <laughs> the value in it from a connectivity point of view but like sure. largely it's just a cesspool um it, it can be pretty bad yeah and i started to think about well you know there's that aspect of it the, ne- the negative aspect of it and how it kind of brings the worst out of people um and even people who i think would otherwise maybe get along like hate each other on the internet kind of a thing um yeah the internet doesn't really give people like a filter you know what i mean yeah, kinda... there's no filter, and you can hide behind your keyboard. But I, you know, I, I guess I started I started to think about that, and then I was thinking about just in general how life is less private and more public these mm-hmm. days. You mm-hmm. know, and everything is under a microscope, and um, some people are seem to be okay with it, and they kind of dive headfirst in. And I, I'm I'm obviously more reserved, but uh, sure. I thought about a world where everything is driven by social currency in the sense that like. You know, they have this dinner feed that's like number two in the county and, you know, this kid has his own TV channel where he's uploading, you know, rocket cat video, which whatever, <laughs> whatever that was, it didn't end well for sniffles, right? But It did not end well for sniffles. But I, I try to create these sort of like empty, vapid characters who were more concerned about what's going on around them and how people viewed them than the actual substance of themselves kind of yep. a thing, you know? Well, and that's a very so, valid commentary on... Yeah, that's just kind of where the idea came from, so... Yeah, well, I think you did a good job because, like, <laughs> you made me laugh, but there, I mean, there, it did. It was, like, it was filled with all that social commentary that, like, it really does, like, if if you... if you if you Now, I imagine that later on this year when, when you'll be able to, like, read these words and stories really break it down, you'll you'll be able to see, like, man... Maybe everything I sh- I do shouldn't be out there. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, the internet never disappears, right? Yeah. So interesting, interesting. And that was definitely like, I think it was definitely like outside the box for you. It was. It's not my normal thing. How did you feel writing it? Like, was it weird when you were writing it, or did it come pretty naturally? I think it flowed pretty well, but I, I was trying to temper it too because I didn't want to do anything that w- would, um. You know, I was trying to keep it as neutral as possible. Sure. While still sort of like poking a little bit. But that's kind of satire, I guess, you know. Yeah, so. no, I think, you, I think you did a good job. I don't think anything seemed like too heavy, heavy handed or anything like that. And I did enjoy the, um, 
the I, I mean, I always enjoy moments of with, uh, you know, fecal matter or pee or standing at urinal. <laughs> so that's that's great. Um, did did I did I hear you correct when you said that a piece of the tail? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so rocket cat went really bad. Yeah, it's not goes planned. <laughs> it's just like oh, there's a piece of the tail. Right there. <laughs> Oh man, good stuff, good stuff. So, um I on the other hand, um <laughs> did did not take a humorous approach, if you can imagine. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think I also kind of stepped a little outside my my comfort zone this month, but I'm going to explain after I read the story. Okay, so um my story for this month is called what did I name it? It's called A Plan Comes Together. Yeah. Okay. All right, here we go. Her eyes were heavy and weary from the past few sleepless nights. She watched him as he slept. The monotonous tones of the machines monitoring his heart and feeding him medication had put her in a trance-like state. Although she was looking right at him, she didn't even notice when his eyes fluttered awake. If he wouldn't have strained in trying to push himself up, she would have likely kept staring right through him captivated by the beeps and boops that fell in rhythm with the rise and fall of his chest. He barely managed to get the word out of his mouth. Water. Karen rose from her seat after a short delay and moved to his side. She filled his cup from the pitcher on the bedside table and moved the straw to his lips. He slipped slowly and closed his eyes as he drank, reveling in the sensation of the cool liquid traveling down his throat. She returned the cup to the table, ignoring the fact that his lips searched for more. I'm ready to know. Karen looked down at him, meeting his gaze for only a brief moment before finding a small stain on his pillowcase to focus on instead. I've already told you. You had an accident. He reached for her hand, but it came up empty. He let his hand hang in the air, returning it only after confirming that it would never be received. But what happened? She picked up the cup again and thrust it in his face. Here, drink some more water. He made to object, but the straw was there and he was still thirsty, so he drank. She was less hasty with it this time around, and he did his best not to ingest it too fast. Karen sighed and watched the seconds tick away on a nearby clock while he hydrated. Her concentration was broken when he spit a geyser of water into the air and began to rock back and forth on the bed. She slammed the cup down on the table and wiped a few stray water droplets from her face. What the hell? He tried to sit up but found himself unable to balance and fell back to where he started. He lurched to the side, trying to reach further down the bed. The itching. What is with all the itching? She watched him for a moment, fixated by the spectacle being played out before her. And just as he looked like he was about to cry out in agony, she responded, Can I help? Where does it itch? He stopped thrashing, but his discomfort didn't allow him to be still. Right leg, just below the knee. She smirked as she sought out the spot and began to scratch the requested area through the sheets. Took a few seconds, but he finally relaxed and laid back calmly. She gave an exaggerated final itch for good measure and moved to quickly fluff his pillow. You should rest. You've been through so much. Have I? His question lingered in the air like a soap bubble, begging for interaction before its inevitable demise. Yes, you have. He watched through tear-filled eyes as Karen returned to the chair across the room and turned to gaze out the window. As she watched a few birds play in a nearby tree, she couldn't help but curse herself. None of this would have been necessary if everything would have gone as planned.
It all started on the day that I found out. A good friend had tipped me off the night before, and in following her advice, I had seen my worst fears play out in front of my eyes. Ever since my suspicions had started a few months prior, I had been fantasizing about what I would do to him if this day were to ever come, and now was my chance to either put up or shut up. The day had started like any other Saturday. We woke up, had breakfast, and straightened up around the house. Next came lunch at our favorite little mom-and-pop cafe around the corner. Been our go-to place for comfort food since we had moved into the area, and it usually provided me with peace and tranquility. Oftentimes, we would spend the entire afternoon there, sipping tea and chatting on the small outdoor patio as we watched people go in and out of the small antique shops that sat on either side of them. But today was different. I couldn't escape the thoughts going through my head, and I knew if I didn't do it soon, I would chicken out and not do it at all, forcing myself to live out a loveless existence with this conniving snake who had once been dear to me. You feeling okay? He asked as I picked through my food. Yeah, everything's fine. What do you say we just head to the store and go home? He looked at me sideways, but agreed. Even the waitress seemed concerned for my well-being when I asked for the check so early. After assuring everyone that I was fine, we paid and made our way over to the grocery store where I did my best to seem normal. We took our usual path, weaving around slow-moving carts and small children as we made our way up and down every aisle. Before I knew it, the cart was full and we were waiting in the checkout line. My heart was racing and I took several deep breaths to calm myself down. I thought I was doing a decent enough job of keeping my shit together, but it wasn't good enough. Are you sure you're okay? He asked as he began to place our items on the conveyor belt. I'm fine, I assured him as I snapped out of my daze and helped to empty the cart. A few minutes later, as we were making our way across the parking lot, I put my plan into effect. Hey, would you mind if I drove home? He gave me a curious look as we got to the car and popped the trunk. I never drove when we were together unless he had been drinking. Must have made him feel like more of a man or something. I pleaded with him. Come on, I always feel like such a rich bitch when I get to drive the Beamer. That minivan makes me feel so basic. He smiled as he tossed the keys to me. Well, have at it. Yay, I squealed as I jumped in the driver's seat. That might have been a little over the top, but he didn't say anything. I started the engine and yelled back to him. Drop the safety down, would you? Sure thing. I heard the cover drop and I hit the button in the dash to lower the convertible top. He dropped into the passenger seat and I cranked up the radio before zipping out of the parking lot. Normally in this situation I would have taken the long way home, but that was no normal day. After all, my access to this sweet, sweet ride was about to become unlimited. As per our usual routine, I backed the car into the garage. It was big enough for two cars, but it was a tight fit. Backing in was crucial to efficiently get the groceries out of the trunk and into the house. Just as he was getting out, I cranked the radio once again, hoping for the best. Oh my god, I love this song! The Spice Girls? Really? Since when? I turned it up even louder and began to sing along. So tell me what you want, what you really, really want. He just looked at me like I was some kind of asshole for a few seconds before closing the passenger door in my face. Pop the trunk, would you? He paused for a moment and then followed up under his breath with a curt, psycho. I did as he requested, all while keeping my eye on the rearview mirror. Just as he was centered in my view, I threw the car into reverse, lurching it backwards and pinning him against the wall. He screamed and cried out, What in the hell are you doing? He pushed and struggled against the rear end of the car but I continued to nudge the accelerator to ensure he had nowhere to go. I turned off the radio just in time to hear the bones in his legs snap. Victorious, I put the car in park and got out, leaving the engine running. 
I walked around, squeezing myself between the two cars to meet him at the trunk. His cries had turned to whimpers as shock began to set in. Why? I just looked at him. No one cheats on me and gets away with it, asshole. Cheat? What are you talking about? I didn't cheat on you. I slammed my fist down on the trunk. Cut the bullshit. I saw you with Nancy Davis at the Flying Perch last night. You left there at 7.30. What time did you get home again? He stayed silent and hung his head in shame. That's what I thought. We were both silent for a moment before he spoke up, his voice barely audible. So how long are you going to leave me here? I waited for him to look over at me before reaching for the garage door opener on the wall. Why, until it's over, of course. His eyes grew in fear as they moved to the exhaust flowing out of the tailpipes on either side of him. But just as I was about to push the button that would seal his fate, I happened to glance outside and see a very familiar car turn the corner a few houses away. Shit! I exclaimed as I hurtled back into the front seat and pulled the car away from the wall. He crumbled into a heap and I ran back around the car, prepared to threaten his life even further if he uttered a single word about this, but I found him unconscious. Pussy, I thought as I worked up some fake tears. I ran crying into the driveway to meet my mother-in-law and daughter, who had just returned early from an afternoon of fun. That was exactly two weeks ago. Since then, I've been in and out of this godforsaken hospital room. His first surgery was to repair the damage done to the bones in his legs. A few days later, they had to go back in. Something about infection, rejection, or both. To be honest, most of it went right over my head. Everything seemed to be stable, and then two days ago, more infection. The surgeon came out mid-operation to tell me that the infection had gotten so bad in his right leg that the best course of action would be to amputate. I nearly laughed out loud as I signed his leg away. Let's see him get a side chick with only one leg, I thought. But now, as I sit here watching this helpless son of a bitch piss in a bag and shit in a pan, I'm beginning to realize the burden that will be brought on me as he recovers, if not for the rest of our lives. Shit. It was at that moment that Karen realized what she would have to do. Karen! Karen! She watched as the birds flew out of the tree before returning to his side. What is it now? He seemed surprised by the contempt in her voice and took a moment before he responded. I need you to itch my leg. It's that right fucking knee again. She reached down and offered a half-ass attempt to relieve the itch before pulling her hand away. He began to get anxious and shift around. Come on, baby, it really fucking itches. Karen had enough. For Christ's sakes, your right leg doesn't fucking itch, all right? He looked at her like she was crazy. Well, of course it does. How could you possibly know if it itches or not? The two just stared at each other. She tried to remain calm, but she couldn't stand the pompous look on his face for another moment. She snapped. Because you don't have a right fucking leg anymore. She ripped off the sheets that covered the lower half of his body, revealing his current circumstance. He was speechless at first, looking back and forth from his left leg to where his right one should be. It had been severed at just above the knee, and what was left was covered in gauze. As the reality of the situation began to set in, he started to panic, as indicated by his pulse monitor's steady increase in speed. He looked up to Karen. The fuck is going on here? He tried to move as if to get out of bed, but all he could really do is just roll a little bit from side to side. Karen slowly moved closer to the head of the bed and found the button that controlled his morphine pump. You know, I've been thinking. This is really no way to live. She pushed the button. Karen? Honey? What are you talking about? Well, I don't think you're supposed to push that. It's only been an hour. She pushed it again. It's going to be really hard to recover, especially for those who are going to have to help you as you learn to walk again. She pushed the button once more. The beeping began to slow. Okay, you're definitely not supposed to push it that much. 
His eyes began to get heavy, but he fought against it. Karen put her hand on his face and looked deep into his eyes. Or I guess maybe you could see if Nancy Davis would be willing to give you a hand, perhaps even more. She pushed the button one last time before letting it fall to the floor. I'm sorry. She reached over and pulled the pillow out from underneath his head and pressed it over his face, leveraging all of her body weight into it. She listened as his pulse continued to slow. After what seemed like an eternity, the beep was replaced with a solid tone. She placed the pillow back under his head and fluffed it up a bit. Mommy? Karen turned to find her eight-year-old daughter Emma standing in the doorway, holding a balloon and a teddy bear. Her eyes welled with tears. What did you do to Daddy? Karen moved back over to the chair, sat down, and patted her knee. Come here, Em. We probably only got a few minutes. The static tone continued to fill the room with thickening tension. Em did as she was told, stopping to place her gifts on the foot of the bed. The balloon rose and came to rest on the ceiling. Karen put her arms around her daughter and pulled her head into her chest. Let me tell you a story about your daddy. Dude, what is, what is wrong with you, man? <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> the balloon rose and rested on the ceiling. That was like, that kind of sealed it. I mean, that was like, oh, man. That was pretty horrific. Well, you know, it's... <laughs> It's kind of what I do. I'm not gonna lie. I'm trying to think if this might be worse than the than the, the clown story. Do you think it's worse than the fingernail story? I well, I, so it's hard to say because we don't really know what happened, what prompted that behavior. Right. In, th- in this case, we kind of know what happened. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, well, I mean, I guess the fingernail thing is more torturous, so that's pretty horrific too. But. Yeah. I think yeah, what I, don't know, I think what really got my wife with this one was the mommy. <laughs> it's like it's not bad enough she's like freaking suffocating her husband, but you know, right in front of her daughter. So at the end, when she says we only have a few minutes, is that like is is, is that the idea that like oh I'm going to be arrested now? Yeah, like, I think or... so. I mean, it was okay. just like they're in a hospital, like you know, right. everybody's someone's going to find out. Yeah, for sure. So, huh. So the one thing I noticed um, is you had a you did two different points of view. I did. Was that so intentional? It was. So okay. it was it was I, I kind of alluded to it earlier. I was I wrote the first portion and then I didn't know where to go and I was having a really hard time with the the third person aspect of it and I I don't really know why but I was sitting there one day and I was just like I was thinking about it and I like I knew, okay, so let me go back a little bit. How this started was I wanted to figure out like some weird way to come up with an itch. And for and then I, uh, for some reason, like a phantom itch popped into my head, you know? So I went to Twitter and I was like, hey, give me a couple of reasons why somebody would be amputated. And I got all these answers and it was like, I heard car accident and infection. And I'm like, both of those are great. I'm good. So then I was like, okay, now we need to find, now we need to get somebody killing somebody. And so I came up with that part of it. And then we're sitting there and like, for whatever reason, I felt like I wanted to try going to first person for like the flashback, like when she was in her own head. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of hoping it worked. I kind of did that like experimentally, like we'll see how it goes. Like I I wrote it in first person and I was like, you know what, I'm going to write it in first person. And if I don't like it, I'll just go back and I'll change the whole 
the whole fucking thing to third person. But for whatever reason, I think it worked. What do you think? Did it work or did, was it weird because the story was so, so short? I don't think it was weird. Um, I I enjoy f- uh, first person narration, um, especially writing it because mm-hmm. you, you really have to get into the character's head. And although it's sometimes difficult to do trying to like get their voice to kind of come across well it's always fun yeah so i i always i i like it personally but yeah it was um, I, I gotta tell you getting in the the head of a woman who was killing her husband uh was a bit difficult like yeah, i can imagine i felt weird writing it <laughs> like but um yeah that was the big thing that was what i was like that was the first time i've ever actually I don't think I've ever written anything else in first person before. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, you you have to, you know, it's almost like, it's not quite like an unreliable narrator kind of thing, but it, it is in a sense where you have to, you have to portray the world how they see it, whether it's right or wrong, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and you do your best to sort of see things through that, that character's eyes. Um, but she's certainly... Forgiveness was not in her vocabulary. No, not at all. <laughs> I need a stretch of the imagination. No, she was done. It, I mean, it 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 read, um, you know, with a lot of detail. I feel like you had a lot of little things that kind of brought it to life with, like, the sound that the pulse ox thing was making. And, yep. uh, um, you know, with them at the store. And, like, there was little things that sort of, you know, there's a point where you're, you can not give enough detail and there's a point where you give too much detail, but right. I think there's a, there's a sweet spot where you give the, the listener or the reader enough detail that they can form their own picture of what the scene looks like. Cause it's not super critical in this case, what the hospital room looked like or what the grocery store looked like, you know, cause they're just generic run of the mill things that you already know what they look like. Right. You know? And like, I don't know if anybody's noticed a theme of that with me yet, but like I, I generally try to pick settings that should feel familiar. Because I think most of my stuff is like character driven, right? So it's right. more about what the, how the characters interact in that environment more than like the environment itself. It's like everybody's seen a hospital room, so they're in a hospital room. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Everybody's seen a church more than likely, so they're in a church or whatever. You know, like whatever it is. It's it's something I have a a tendency to do, and it might be because I'm scared <laughs> to put to put because like you said, there is a a critical balance where if you provide too much detail, then you know, I, I'm, I'm one where if, if something starts to feel wordy, I might skip down a little bit until somebody says something. You know what I mean? Yeah, I've, I've heard other people say that too. Um, I, I think if you're in a scenario where you're describing something that the reader's not going to know or it's something that maybe it's a thing they're familiar with, but the details you're giving are pertinent to the plot in some way, then yeah. then you have to describe you do, you do, and it's it's one thing where like I'll 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 usually try to describe a little bit, but then have the characters interact with it, which hopefully will describe it more without just, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's something that I just have a tendency to do more often than not. But I was excited because I thought that this was kind of effed up, and I thought like it it should, uh, it should it certainly was it should be one of my most effed up for year one. I really thought. Um... I thought you were going to go humor with this prompt, but you surprised me. Yeah, I th- well, I thought about it for a second, and then I was like, well, I don't know. The past couple of ones, like, there wasn't a whole lot of death. 
So I need to get back to my roots. And for whatever reason, once, like, I don't know what it was. Once I got the phantom itch in my head and I wanted a leg to be amputated, I had to figure out how it was going to get amputated. I don't know where this came from. Something dark within me, I guess. Yeah, so it's yeah, <laughs> it's it's strange where all the things come from. So yeah, that that was um, the itching. While the itching, thank you, Utah. I hope I hope this is what you imagined it would be. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I think that brings us to the end of this month's episode. So, um, as we mentioned earlier, we really want your help with this next prompt for the song lyric thing. So what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to join the Facebook group if you have a Facebook account, uh, facebook.com slash group slash pod. Uh, you can tweet at us at pod or just email us at promptlywrittenpod at gmail.com. We want the first line of the song, and that's going to be the prompt. We'll make sure that everybody gets a vote, and we'll go through. If there's a tie, we'll pick the tie maybe. Uh, you know. And again, as uh, Mr. Lewis said, uh, we will be... Um, uh, we'll be very uh, discretionary about yes. So um, just what, what's being just, voted. I'm going to humor myself real quick, and I want to see what the the first line of Hammer Smash Face is. Oh, so see here, this would work. So the first line. Well, here, let me give you the first stanza, or if you will, it is: "There's something inside me. It's it's coming out. I feel like killing you." Let loose the anger, held back too long, my blood runs cold. See, we could do Hammer Smash Face. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I think that's probably tame for them. But So hit us up at any one of those places. Get your song. We'll get it in there. And then next month, it's going to be a song lyric based story. Um, let's see. For information about us, Ian, where's the best place for people to find stuff about you? IanLewisFiction.com. Uh, you have anything going on, um, like uh, sale-wise, or what, what's going uh, on in the for, world of there'll Ian There'll be Lewis? a few days. A few days in August, um, I'm part of the self-published fantasy blog-off uh, contest this year. Um, From Legend is an entry in that contest, and as part of that, they're doing a, a, a 99 cent sale uh, August, I think, 16th through the 20th, thereabouts. So, From Legend will be on sale for those few days if you're interested. Sweet. I will put a link to the blog off in the show notes. It looks like, well, I don't know. Is this um, Mark Lawrence? Is this the guy who does yeah, it? Yeah. Yeah, he runs it. Okay. So, I'll, I'll put a link to that if anybody else is interested about what this blog off is. We'll get the link in the show notes. Cool. Cool. Okay. So for me, there are a bunch of places to get in touch with me because I am once again, the anti Ian Lewis and I am on all of the social media. So, um, first of all, you can get in touch with me at matchgarrick.com. You can hit me up at, at matchgarrick on Twitter and on Sunday and Wednesday evenings. Now, I kind of put a hold on this during July because there was so much writing going on, but on Sunday and Wednesday evenings on Twitch, so it's Twitch TV slash Shugnight. Uh, we're going to start, uh, we're going to be gaming mostly, but I'm trying to Did you say Suge Knight? Yeah. <laughs> That's twitch.tv slash S-U-G-E-N-I-T-E. Suge Knight. That's it, funny. Uh, I mean, I had to play off my last name, right? Yeah. That's been my, that's been my handle since I got my first Xbox. So good. But anyways, twitch.tv slash Suge Knight. I think I'm trying to feel out what we're going to be doing. I'm, I'm gaming right now, but I'm trying to figure out a way to 
work creative writing into this Twitch thing. I'm not sure if it's going to work or not. Uh, maybe that's a future dis- uh, topic on the episode, or if anybody has any ideas about that, I want to get that going. But otherwise, I'm just going to be playing video games. We're going to start Dead by Daylight so I can get back into the routine. And then coming up sh- soon, I'm going to be streaming uh, The Last of Us. It's the first time I've played it, and I'm real excited about it. So we'll be doing that Wednesday and Sunday nights. Sometimes I go out there on Friday or Saturday as well. Um, all of these links for both me and Ian are going to be in the show notes. Episode 12 is going to drop on September 2nd, and the prompt is going to be Awkward Goodbyes. And this is a special one to me because my mom gave me the prompt, Awkward <laughs> Goodbyes. So um, luckily she doesn't listen because I doubt <laughs> I doubt that this is going to be a story up her alley, but I would like to thank publicly thank my mother for giving the prompt, Awkward Goodbyes. Um, If you like what you hear, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts so that we can help get the word out. I think that's it for today. See you next month. Thank you. Later.